Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Sunday, October 16th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. For a very long time, I have given seminars and written about, spoken about what I call fearless change. Even if you go to my website, you will see that it is the primary message on my website because I have lived my own life trying to understand both of those things, fear and change. And I think that approaching change, in a sense, fearlessly, is what it's all about. However, change is not without anxiety. You know, as humans, when we are moving from what we know into the unknown, we get very anxious. I mean, we like to know what's happening. We like to know what's coming. And moving truly into a complete unknown, or in the case of, let's say, breakdown or chaos all around us, it's very unnerving. But fearless change isn't about removing the discomfort from change. That's not what it is. And this morning, I had real insight even further into what I've always believed and taught or what I've come to learn and teach By listening to something that Jordan Peterson said in an interview that John Stossel did with him that's on YouTube, Peterson was talking about the quote in the Bible, the meek shall inherit the earth. And Peterson was saying that what that really means is that those who have swords but know how to keep them in their sheaves will inherit the earth. He was saying that you have to be able to be dangerous. You have to be able to be fierce. You have to be able to bring forth force from you. You just have to be able to control the fact that you have the ability to do that. So in essence, it's why the potential of force is usually a great inhibitor or the most inhibiting factor against others who are trying to harm someone or a nation, right? Strong deterrence works. It works because if someone knows you have the potential to bring forth force and bring forth overwhelming force, but you have the control to not do that, then they're not going to mess with you. I mean, one could argue that that is why nations that are generally our adversaries did not mess with Donald Trump. Because as someone who I often hear say, Trump has a twitchy eye, meaning you don't quite know what he'll do. You don't know what he's capable of. When you're dealing with adversaries, especially adversaries who only respect force, that's a good thing. That's a good thing that they think you're capable of anything because people who believe you're capable of anything will be very reluctant to come up against you. Contrast that with our present president, with Joe Biden. He's so predictable. He's so weak 
that we're getting run over everywhere. He says things and then he goes back on his word. He makes threats that he doesn't keep. He absolutely excoriated the crown prince for his ordering the death of Khashoggi, the reporter. And yet he went, he, our president, went begging hat in hand to the Saudis for oil recently because he's in trouble because of his policies and our energy crunch. There is a huge difference between being a bully and using unrestrained force whenever you can against someone who's weaker than you and simply being someone who has power but knows the restraint of power, knows the benefits of the restraint of power. And I'm not advocating that anyone use force. I am, however, advocating that we know what true power is, that we all learn how to manage it within ourselves and know when to bring enough of it forward to be a deterrent. You know, I listened yesterday to a YouTube video that a friend had sent me, a very spiritual metaphysical friend. I watched this and listened to this entire video. And what it was, it was someone who channels. If you don't know what channeling is, it's someone who sort of goes into an altered state of consciousness and allows, if you believe this is possible, entities or beings from other frequencies, from other realms to speak through them. This was a channeling of an entity who was talking about what we need to do to go forward and what the future looks like. It was all about holding love in your heart. It was all about positive thought. It was all about embracing the creative forces within each one of us that has the power to change the future, but in the sense of using it from a heartfelt loving place. And I listened to it, it was like an hour long. And I thought, well, okay, I am one of these people. Part of me is metaphysical and spiritual. I get it. I understand what the message is. But the message in and of itself is lacking in something. And what it's lacking in is that, yes, we are in a spiritual battle. There is no way around that. But that spiritual battle that we're in is being fought on a 3D physical plane. So while it's important to know spiritual principles and to use them for the highest good of all concerned, it's not enough right now to use them exclusively, to not understand the importance of harnessing and controlling our own pensions, our own inclinations, our own ability to use force. You know, we are all divine creations, right? And we are created in the image and likeness of, in the image and likeness of God. What do we learn about God in religious texts? We mostly learn in the Judeo-Christian tradition that God is both wrathful and loving, that God has immense power and only uses it when necessary that predominantly and primarily God is coming from a place of loving creation. Well, guess what? If we are created in the image and likeness of, it's reckless to think that we're only the love portion of God, that we are not and do not have within us the ability to bring forth wrath and power. 
So I say, as I did extensively in a recent podcast, that we have to be fierce and loving at the same time. Bear with my voice today. It's a very bad allergy day here in Texas. Fierce and loving at the same time. And I talked about, and I gave two examples in my most recent podcast before this one. I think it was a podcast from Monday of this past week. I gave two examples of being fierce and being loving at the same time. And I really think that's the answer for us. Because without that fierceness, all of that lovingness, you know, even Jesus, you know, you can say, well, I want to be Christ-like. I want to be loving, you know, turn the other cheek, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was loving. Well, Jesus was loving, but Jesus also was enraged in the temple and broke down those tables because he knew how and when to use his fierceness. That's what we have to know, not to get angry or offended or overly sensitive to every little thing that's said or done that bothers us. That'll make you crazy. And I actually think it has made people crazy in this country. The the super sensitive who want safe places for everything, who think that language is violence. Those people are misusing and yeah, I I was going to say they're they're not using, but they are using. They're misusing what real power is all about. You want to stand up for things, but you can't stand up for every little thing. You have to reserve that power, that force for the things that really matter. And we have those things that really matter. That's why I do think for yourself. That's why I do this podcast. I do it for several reasons. One is to try to bring rational perspective and try to even bring any perspective to the insanity that can go on in this country by extreme groups. Let me go through some examples, if I may. Systemic racism. Are we systemically racist? Is that worth getting angry at? Is that worth getting violent at? Is that worth running around and screaming about constantly? Are we systemically racist or are we systemically corrupt? Should we be really upset about the corruption? Is that where perhaps our wrath is better directed than at systemic racism? You know, our highest domestic security agency the FBI, when it came to the Trump-Russia dossier, they couldn't verify the facts in it. They offered Christopher Steele a million dollars to verify his own facts, which is unheard of. That's not how the FBI verifies. It goes to third parties to verify and to substantiate claims that are brought to them. They couldn't get any third parties to verify the facts in that dossier. So then they offered Steele a million dollars, by the way, taxpayer dollars, to verify his own information. Well, he couldn't do that. So they fired him. And then the FBI knew that Viktor Bachenko was the prime source for all of that fake information in the Trump-Russia dossier. They knew Danchenko was a liar. They knew that he was Kremlin-connected. But they hired him after they fired Steele, and they paid him as a human intel source to get information on Trump. And if that was not enough, if all of that was not enough, talk about systemic corruption. Then, in the trial this week that John Durham is having, the case against Danchenko, 
an FBI agent testified that they then ordered Danchenko to wipe his cell phone clean of all communications regarding his employment with the FBI. So should we be wrathful about systemic racism, which, by the way, has only been improving over the life of this country, has only been getting better for minorities and people of color, or should we be wrathful about systemic corruption? Women's rights, it's a woman's right to choose. It's her body. We are, we are prejudiced against women. We are brutal against women. All of those left-wing people who are out there screaming about women's rights, I don't hear one of them complaining about what's happening to women in Iran. Young girls being murdered for not wearing their hijab properly or for not wearing it at all. Where are those protests? Should we be wrathful about women's rights in this country, which also have only improved since the nation began? Or should we be wrathful about young girls in Iran being imprisoned, tortured, and killed for wearing makeup or for not wearing their hijab properly? Should we be wrathful about gender dysphoria Or should we be wrathful about the perversion of all things sexual in this country? A New York congressman this week who made a sex tape with a prostitute as a campaign ad to show prostitute positivism. He's running on prostitute positivism. He's running to legalize prostitution, despite the fact that all the statistics show that legalizing prostitution only increases its demand. And that's according to an organization called Exodus City, which has a mission to end sex trafficking and to assist its victims. We need to pick our battles. We need to know how to use our wrath. Compassion and concern for illegal alien children at the border, is that really what it's all about? Then where is the concern for all of the children who are dying of fentanyl and methamphetamine that's coming across that open border? Because those drugs are killing exponentially more children and young adults and adults, period, than all the mass shootings combined. So where should the real wrath be directed? Compassion and concern for those children at the border? How about the filth being taught in the classrooms and put in the school libraries? How about parents showing up at school board meetings with texts that their children have either brought home or that are in the school libraries that are explicit visual and verbal descriptions of gay sex? How about that? Is that where our wrath is better directed or at the cages at the border and alleged cages at the border? There's concern and outrage over Donald Trump's ethics. The head of the Congressional Office for Ethics was arrested over the weekend for a DUI after crashing his car into a private home. He refused to take a breathalyzer test. And by the way, this isn't the head of the Congressional Office of Ethics' first run-in with the law. In 2015, he allegedly participated in a bar fight And there was a prior investigation into his alleged use of his position to influence local law enforcement. He never faced charges on that one because he settled outside of court. You know, there's an awful lot of posturing going on about the moral high ground. 
And those people who are posturing are very selective about what they posture for and what they posture about. In all of this insanity, what we're missing is prioritizing what we should be doing with the true power, not force, but the true power that we have as having been created in the image and likeness of God. We can create on a smaller scale than the Almighty. Clearly, we can. Each of us has creative ability, and therefore, we can all also exhibit wrath on a smaller scale than the Almighty. But we need to know when to do it. And as Jordan Peterson so eloquently said, we need to know when to keep the sword in its sheath so that there's knowledge that it exists and that it has the potential to be drawn and used with the certainty that it will be used is usually enough of a deterrent to keep bad actors away. You know, in every single Eastern art of defense, what is taught is how to kill, how to defend, and how to restrain yourself from doing that. People who have true power rarely use it and will only use it in the negative if it is a life-threatening situation. We need to get our priorities straight and understand that a little of both is true. Meaning, when I listened to the channeler who talked all about love and positivity and coming from your heart and thinking good thoughts, and that's how we'll change the world, there's truth in that to an extent. But until we are living in a world where all its participants understand those principles and live by them, then we still have to deal with the lower nature of humanity, with the potential for evil, with the potential for doing bad acts, and the fact that we live in a 3D material world. And so the way that you bring those two together is to, whenever possible, and always, except in rare situations, live your life in a positive state of mind, Hold loving feelings in your heart. Expect the best of yourself and others. Seek to do the highest good for all concerned. But by all means, have your sword in your sheath and let it be known that if it's a matter of survival, you'll use it. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.